welcome to another episode of the Hat Collecting Talk Show, uh, where we talk about the many different metaphorical hats that we wear in our lives, because nobody does just one thing and everyone has a story. I am your host, Lacey Artemis, a creative Jill of all trades, and uh, today my guest is Katie Montgomery, who is a YouTuber, an LGBTQ Twitter activist, an insect enthusiast, a metalhead, and much more. Um, Katie interviews people on her YouTube channel, as well as doing standalone videos and deals with trolls on Twitter. Uh, Katie uses she and her pronouns. Uh, welcome, Katie. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> yes, it's very exciting. It's always uh, great to kind of talk to other like uh, like multimedia mavens, I guess, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen a few of your videos and like, I, I really wanted to talk to you. So this is very exciting. Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the way that we, or the way that I tend to start this show these days is I, I like to ask the guest, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, England, in <laughs> a place called Hampshire, um, which is a county south of London. Um, and it's kind of, um, it's quite a nice place. It's quite green and it's kind of hilly and there's lots of farms there. Yeah, it's quite nice. It was a town though. I grew up in a town, so not on a farm. <laughs> and have you uh, uh, lived in the same place your, your whole life so far? So I lived there until I was about 18. Um, okay. And then I went to university, oh, which you might call college, I don't know. Um, and uh, which was nearby. It was actually in the same county, but is in a big city much further south uh, on the coast. And then after that, I moved to Bristol, which is in the west, which is where I live now. And mm. Bristol is like the coolest place. So. <laughs> Yes, I will admit that I don't know a lot about the, the UK, um, so I guess I'll get to learn a little bit through you on this show. Um, but yes, Katie is my official first uh, international guest. Uh, Laura from Episode 7 was originally from Europe, but uh, living here in, in Canada now, so Katie is officially the first actually living abroad guest. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah, the question I like to ask, um, another part of this uh, this question um, I like to ask about kind of like stereotypes or misconceptions. What do you think is like the biggest misconception about like the UK or maybe England more specifically? Um, I think that everyone's all posh and well-to-do. Um, I think like often, especially from maybe more Americans, but certainly from anyone from North America or even Europe has this idea that we all are posh and know the queen and um, that kind of thing. And, that's obviously ridiculous. I think really the true reputation of British people that everyone should have is we're like the worst tourists and British people are drunken, loud heads all the time, everywhere. So I think, yeah, I guess that's that's a common misconception about British people from people who haven't been here. Yeah, similarly, I feel like the, the stereotype of Canadians is that we're all very nice and that we all like hockey and, and those are both <laughs> not necessarily true. <laughs> But uh, we do our best. <laughs> so saying that, I don't know if this is like jumping ahead, but one time I was in a mosh pit uh, watching some metal bands and there was some Canadians and they obviously were like leaning into the stereotype and they were running around pushing people and every single person they bumped into, they were like, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> So that could cement it. I think the stereotype's true for Canadians. I think we do actually say sorry a lot. I don't think that that is a stereotype. <laughs> That's fairly accurate in my experience. I'm going to take a moment here to do a land acknowledgement for Toronto. 
Um, Toronto or Tuckeronto is located on the traditional unceded territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations, the Huron-Wendat, the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and the Anishinaabe. This is a dish-with-one-spoon treaty territory, and I am an uninvited visitor on this land. Um, Yeah, I don't know if, uh, I guess... It's kind of sometimes I have guests from from places where I don't think that I don't know how much of a, like a, a native like indigenous presence there is in that area. So I don't know if it makes as much sense to to do a land acknowledgement. Yeah. So I I looked at the um, map of like um, territories that showed, and you had like there's so much obviously in North America, and then there's some in sort of some parts of Northern Europe and Russia and stuff. But I guess Northern Europe, um, or particularly the UK, is the one that did all the colonizing. So um, and then, you know, like all the sort of our native people ended up, you know, where you are. And I guess that's kind of how you got there. Um, I do, I do have some kind of interesting, um, story related to that. If, if you'd sure. like to go ahead. So, um, my surname is Montgomery and I've heard that this actually comes from when all the Vikings were invading people. So coming from, um, Sweden and Norway and Denmark um, so there was, I think it was Danish people invaded Normandy, which is northwest France, and it was just a Viking who was called Gom, and he set, invaded Normandy, which I guess was its own country then, um, and like set up a fort which was Montgom, and the people who lived there ended up being the Montgomerys, and then when the Normans invaded the UK in 1066, which was the last time England lost a war in its own territory. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's where they settled in, and so that's that's what I've heard anyway. So, hmm. very interesting. <laughs> um, I, I I I love learning new things on this show. <laughs> however, it happens. So, thank you for the history lesson. <laughs> um, yeah. So, with that said, um, the next question, I guess, sort of the first real question of the show is: um, Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the things that you do and how you got into them? <clears throat> so. My profession or my job is an electronic engineer. Um, so I design computer chips, um, particularly ones to do with communications. Um, so possibly this video call we're doing now is going for a chip I helped design and I worked on, um, which is quite cool. Um, so it's mainly kind of like coding and stuff and you design circuits, which are tiny, you know, nanometers and stuff. Um, and I got into that because I'm naturally good at maths and that was kind of the way I was pushed. I never really had a goal of what I wanted to do and that's kind of where I ended up. Um, some other things I do, um, I'm a guitarist and I love guitar. Uh, yeah. And, um, I definitely got into that because I got into music as a teenager and I got into metal and I just thought, well, I thought. I actually got into bass first and I actually thought bass and guitar were just the coolest thing and that I would pick bass because there was less bassists around. Um, and now I've got more into guitar. So I'm a traitor. Sorry, all the bassists listening. Um, so I guess that's one of my main passions. Um, I don't know how many things you want me to list off. <laughs> um, so let's see here. I mean, yeah, I guess like, Admittedly, I'm very curious about the the insect enthusiast because that was one of right. my like, dream topics. Like, I wanted to speak to an entomologist on the show at some point. Okay, well, you should definitely go on someone who's actually an expert, not just <laughs> someone who just really loves insects. I don't know what it is. I like 
most animals. Um, and like, I mean, I really love cats. I have a cat and possibly cats are my favorite animals. But there's just something really cool about it. And it's not just like insects are mechanically cool. And, you know, they have all their working limbs and all these different parts. And like they they're so like small and simple that they often fit this like niche and they just own it because that that's kind of all they do and that's that's really interesting and watching them is interesting and easy but when someone says a fact about sports or cars or something I just do not care <laughs> I, I do I cannot absorb them at all it just bounces off but if I hear some fact about like you know leaf hoppers or something I'm like oh. and that's just remember for the rest of my life so yeah that's very cool. Um, I I can relate to that. Like, I actually just, I am interested in so many things. So, like, I do like some sports uh, trivia. I do like insect trivia. I like metal trivia. Like, well, I should mm. say music trivia. But, like, just I love learning. And it often doesn't really matter what it is. It's just learning how something works. And right. Um, but I'm actually, I'm, a like, a pro-wasp propagandist. Because I think wasps, like you said, set me off now. Wasps get a really bad reputation. Like pe- when you say wasp, people think of the black and yellow stripy stingy thing. And when you're trying to have a picnic, it just comes up and stings you in the arm for no reason. And wasps are like heads sometimes, <laughs> but there are so many different types of wasp. Uh, and some of them are so beautiful and some of them play absolutely key roles in the ecosystem. And like they've been around longer than flowers. A recent cool fact that I found out is that wasps evolved like millions of years before the planet Saturn even had w- rings. So when wasps were first around, Saturn didn't have rings, which is like, it kind of melts my brain, the numbers involved in that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, wasps just have so much going on and they almost, but they don't, <laughs> they don't actually attack you for no reason. They always have a reason. I mean, sometimes the reason is you accidentally hit them, but th- that's your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess just really quickly, um, with the the kind of Twitter activism, I, I can kind of guess that that probably just evolved naturally. But I mean, because there's a lot of people that are on Twitter and who are uh, LGBTQ or even like activists, but kind of making the choice to go out of your way to kind of like smack down trolls is like a special thing. And like, I think a cer- you have to be a certain kind of person to be willing to do that, I think. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think naturally I'm an argumentative and I think that's the main the main driver of it is I I like this kind of challenge of logical puzzles mm-hmm. and sometimes when someone presents you an argument and I mean in a way this kind of makes me a bit of a debate bro but like someone will present an argument and they're like I think this and then you can be like oh well the argument they're making here must require these three premises and I know that one of these premises contradicts with another one of them so all i need to do is get them to agree to their premises and then state it in a way which makes it clear to everyone watching that they're contradictory therefore like done and then when they do that and then like they're all angry about it and then you link them back to their premises and then you're just like like i don't know i'm that's such a move i'm so like i don't know i just kind of live for that um and so you know if people say if this is something i don't know about then i want to learn about it I'm not going to argue about things that I don't know about, especially when it comes to human rights. I don't want to be stamping over the groups involved. Um, 
but if there is something I do know about and someone says something and it's wrong, <laughs> then I'll happily argue it. Um, and it just happens that people love to be wrong about trans people. So, um, you know, I'd, it's not like I go looking for these idiots. I mean, and now I'm at the stage where they just come looking for me. And, you know, I log up, just pick up my phone in the morning and someone's just said something and it's nonsense. So I'm like, well, actually, this is factually incorrect and here's the evidence and blah, blah, blah. And then they'll come out with something and I'll be like, no, because of this. And they'll say something and be like, well, that's a logical contradiction from your other position because of these situations. And then suddenly it's like five hours later and I've wasted my life. But um, I think I have a lot of patience for it. And it's the bad combination where I'm addicted to it. I have a lot of patience for it. And I kind of feel it's important. So those three things kind of keep me in the game, which isn't always best for everyone. Not always best for me. Mm. But um, yeah, I mean, I've I've got quite a big platform just from doing that. Like, yeah. I don't, I have no idea. Being outspoken does tend to uh, to bring. I, I did want to ask because this is also part of the like um, main core of the show. Um, for your actual day job, what would you say is maybe like, or what do you think maybe pe- is like the biggest misconception people have about uh, electrical engineers or electrical engineering? That's the biggest mis- misconception that, that there's no difference between electrical and electronic. No, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I'm an electronic engineer and. I like to make a joke fuss about that. Electrical is like big stuff, like power lines and electronics, like little stuff like transistors. Um, I guess one misconception, maybe more so in English speaking countries, maybe more just so in England, is when you say engineer, lots of people often think of like electrician, um, you know, an electronic engineer and they think, oh, that means you just you rewire the house or something, which, you know, is a totally legit job, but it's not anything I can do. I don't know what I'm doing with it. Like I've got a degree in electronics and I could not rewire a house or do any of that nonsense. Hmm. Um, in fact, I would say that my uh, very good degree has given me no practical skills at all. Like it's all <laughs> math. So I, I always felt that because I used to live in this uni house with like a whole mix of different um people doing different courses like psychology and English and um, physiotherapy. And I just felt like all of their courses were useful on the job market and in like knowledge in general, but also all of them could do something like, Oh, can you help me proofread my essay? Oh, my knee hurts. Oh, I'm really confused about this and all these different things. And then someone would be like, Oh, Katie, you, you've got a degree in electronics. My phone's broken. And I'd be like, no, you need a new one. <laughs> that's the fix I, I don't know <laughs> so yeah that's the other big concept misconception that I'm any use at all <laughs> well I if it's any consolation the majority of my guests like when that's come up like a majority of my guests have said that they were not good enough at math in school to like you know be things like architects or you know other kind of fancy sciencey things so hmm. that's kind of special <laughs> yeah, it's just maths engineering is just maths so it's it's kind of funny actually because like I do kind of accounting and bookkeeping as my day job and so people think that I'm really great at math and I'm like not actually <laughs> I'm good enough but I'm not great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so speaking of which, uh, the next question here is uh, when you were a child, do you remember what you wanted to be or do when you grew up? That I I guess I kind of touched on that a little earlier. I've never 
I never really knew. And I always found it really hard to imagine the future about what I wanted. Like I knew that one day I would like a family. Um, but I, I guess, so I am a trans woman. And when I was little, I kind of, I knew I, what I wanted to be, I, I wanted to be a girl and to grow up into a woman. And I just knew that wasn't possible, or at least I thought so. And that kind of, I just, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of did just feel like I wanted to be a mum. And when you're really little, that you don't really consider all of the things like what being a sort of stay-at-home mum is and what that means about career options and stuff. I just remember feeling when I was probably like six or something, it's unfair that mums get to stay at home and raise a family and dads don't. And that's totally not the case. But when you're six, that's sometimes, or it certainly was in the 90s when I grew up, that was the view that I grew up understanding. So yeah, that's that's actually kind of why I'm an electronic engineer because I was I didn't have any desire to do anything. I just kind of wanted to get through school, survive it. And I'm just naturally good at maths and naturally good at art. Art doesn't earn you any money. So everyone pushed me towards maths and maths ends. Like if you want to make money with maths, then you do engineering. And if you want to do something interesting, then you do maths or physics. And Yeah, I, I can relate to that. I've sort of mentioned on previous episodes that like I've always been very artistically inclined and my sister is a, is a microbiologist and she has a master's in that. So she's like, but we're both, we have similar, I guess, kind of aptitudes, but um, she went the very like sciencey road. And I mm. have always like, I have like a more formal job, but like everything I do outside of work is basically kind of artistic in some way. But as you said, like, it's almost impossible to make money from it. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm sort of, you know, at least finding ways to kind of have fun and do something that I feel like matters. So that's that's better than nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, the next question here, um, there's this cultural narrative, and I feel like you probably uh, are kind of more familiar with it than, than, than average. Um, there's this idea that by the age of 30 that we're pretty much supposed to have our lives figured out and kind of be like married and have like a house and be raising a family and stuff like that. But that really doesn't seem to be the case for a lot of people. And so I've been starting to ask uh, people, uh, you know, kind of in like my generation, like what age were you if that's even happened, if it's even um, come yet, uh, where you feel like you had found the path that you wanted to follow and that you were like happy on that path? Yeah, so I think, so I'm 31 now, and I actually think that the first time I ever felt that was last year. Hmm. Um, and like, and it kind of came out of nowhere in a way, I guess. So I, I sort of started, I started coming out and transitioning when I was 25, and it puts quite a lot of years in the way. Like, it takes a long time, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of money, and it does just set you back in life in some way. I mean, you, people, like I progressed in my career. I progressed in my friends. I did grow as a person, all these kinds of things. But I think if you want to transition and do well in your job and also like carry on having a family and buy a house, there's, I think it does compromise with some things. Um, and I guess I always hoped I had the, goal of having a family one day and that is something I still want so perhaps I still feel a bit lost in that regard um and I know lots of my 
friends who are my age are at that stage where they're starting to get pregnant or they're, you know, they buy or they're even like considering moving house and stuff. And I don't have any of that yet. But last year I had like one of the best years of my life. I would, so I'd sort of, I got to the point, I hadn't like finished all transition stuff, but I got to the point where it, I kind of felt comfortable with it and I didn't have to talk about it and people didn't really bring it up. And I went traveling to lots of European metal festivals and like, that's kind of what I live for. And it like, it was such an amazing year. I, <clears throat> I went to like several different festivals. I went traveling, I went to Asia to see my brother. Um, yeah, I just felt very lucky and I just felt like I cannot wait to do everything I've done this year again, next year. And I've done absolutely nothing this year, obviously. So that's been really disappointing. And I, but I just, I just feel if I can have another 2019, like every year for the rest of my life, that'll be amazing. So, yeah, yeah I think up until that point, I just felt like, what the hell am I doing? Especially with transitioning, just like, is this ever going to end? Is this even the right decision? Like, what do I actually want? So, yeah, um, I'm only basically like two and a half years into my own and I've been extremely lucky with just the job that I was in and the, the support network that I had and things like that. But um, like, that's what uh, Laura from the Transpeer Network was saying on on her, on excuse me, their episode that, uh, you know, for queer and trans people, those timelines just don't apply. And I, I wanted to just kind of ask quickly, because I, I, I've heard, I, I know from not so much direct experience, but I work with a lot of women who are work with women who are in STEM and know women who are in STEM and um, it's still apparently a very like sexist industry. And um, I'm curious, like, how was your experience transitioning in that industry? So I've been very fortunate. I actually still, so I've only really ever had one like proper job and I still got it. Um, So yes, I've been in the same job for um, like 10 years now and the team I work with is very good. We have quite a low <clears throat> turnover rate. So lots of the people I work with, I've worked with the whole time. So that's, I think, insulated me from a lot of it. Um, it is mainly men that I work with. And recently, several of the women have left or been made redundant just by coincidence, I think, I hope. Um, and so now, like, on my floor, there's just one other woman I do sometimes feel like I just wish I could have a job where there was more women, like where it's 50-50 or even like majority women, because I don't know, there's just some things that, you know, it's, it's a different energy when, when there's women. I guess like maybe now most of my friends are women, so it would be good to have that. And that, that's one kind of thing I'm missing at work. Um, in terms of like people ignoring me or talking over me or not thinking I'm good enough or anything, I... I mean, maybe if I was being hypersensitive, there's been a few times where, like, I've thought, it did they just repeat what I said and take credit for it, or did they? <laughs> but I don't like it's not um, happened. Like, I think I have been kind of on the high alert for it, and I just I think I'm very lucky with my team because I've had definitely experienced that in the world, like, uh, particularly in the metal world, where I've gone from people assuming I know everything about all the bands to them assuming that I'm just a poser, like night and day difference in the metal world. 
Whereas, at least with my team in engineering, that hasn't happened. So, hmm. yeah, well, uh, kind of, I guess, bouncing onto a little bit more of a, a happy note. Um, so the next question here in the series, um, I, I do appreciate that answer. I just obviously don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to dwell on that too much because uh, it is it is a tough thing, obviously. Mm. But um, so another kind of cultural narrative that I feel is pretty pretty prevalent is this idea that uh, as adults that we're not supposed to goof around and be really silly unless basically we're playing with kids and um, and a lot of people that I know that's like it's it's a part of who they are and. Um, so I like to ask my guests uh, on that kind of uh, note, what is the last silly or playful thing that you did on purpose that was didn't involve kids? <laughs> so I, I actually thought about this when I was um, younger. I think I was probably 15 or something. And there was, um, uh, on the walk to my partner's house at the time, there was like this quite little steep hill where you could you could either go down like, the path or you could go down like the kind of mud track that all the kids had worn out and I remember I always used to run up and down that and then I was walking down the path and I was suddenly like I was like 15 then and I was like have I got old is this it is this the end of my youthhood and I thought no I'm gonna fight this for as long as I possibly can when I have a chance in in life in general when I have a chance to run down the path I'm gonna even if I don't want to because it's like mandatory forced um silliness so i i guess i try and do that it's hard to say what the, the like the most noteworthy thing to bring up really was i guess like the the smallest stupid thing that i've done recently is my last youtube video which you should all should go and check out it's like a 90 second shred guitar thing um <laughs> thank you and the background for that is my channel art and my channel art is um a mix of all the things that i like so it's um, crisps or chips, as you probably call them in North America, um, fading into space to represent how cool space is in the universe and atheism and stuff. And then um, mayonnaise with a red line for it because mayonnaise is disgusting and I passionately campaign against mayonnaise. And then an anti-cross, um, which is the trans flag with a wasp on it. So I just think that's a nice, I like the, the energy of constantly over the top, like it's too much of everything. Um and so I think that's kind of silly. I like to. I very much endorse that. <laughs> um, yeah, I should I should probably spruce up my my channel art a little bit more. I've tried to keep it pretty simple and clean, but like I realize that like, if you go to my website and you see like I literally do like everything, and for me to try and like put that in a way that like doesn't overwhelm people or scare them off is really hard. But then the right people come and they see it and they're just like, oh my god, it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's this there's this um. So there's this famous guitarist called Ingwi Malmsteen, who's like completely over the top, shred, ridiculous. And he's known for being just pointlessly over the top, like about everything. And there's this amazing interview with him where he like this little clip you can look up on YouTube if you do Ingwi Malmsteen more is more. So he's like, um, people say to me, Ingwi, why don't you slow down? Sometimes less is more. And I say to them, how can less be more? More is more. And I just think it's so like, everyone knows what they mean by less is more. And he's just like, well, f that. I'm just going to do more. So that's kind of, that's kind of the, like the vibe I try and have on my channel. It's just like, well, why can't I also have an anti-cross with a wasp? That's a trash flag. Like, 
Yeah, do everything. Channel, do what you want. <laughs> I'm just going to say for, for anyone listening on the podcast who's not watching the show, uh, I'll tell you how to spell that because Ingve is a strange name. It's mm -hmm. Y-N-G-W-I-E, I believe. Yeah. Malmstein, M-A-L-M-S-T-E-N. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. But when you were saying like over the top, like my first thought was Michelangelo Badio playing like the oh. two guitars <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> He is, is equally ridiculous. <laughs> I will have to link okay. to these videos in the in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, metal um, nerdery. <laughs> kind of on the, the a bit on the flip side of that. Um, so another thing that I've started asking about on the show is this idea of self care because I think that's something that uh, at first blush a lot of people think self care. They think of like going to like a spa and getting completely pampered, mm. but self care can be as simple as buying yourself a chocolate bar or you know sleeping in like really simple stuff. So um, again, it doesn't have to be like the mo the pinnacle example, but what's kind of one of the most recent uh, acts of self care that you've done for yourself, no matter how small it was. Um. So I guess. I, so I'm addicted to Twitter uh, in probably every sense. And it, at times, is bad for my mental health, um, particularly when I'm arguing for rights that personally affect me. And particularly in lockdown, when I can't just put it down and go and see my friends, like my phone is just always there. And even when I'm playing guitar, I can just, I'm just suddenly on Twitter arguing whilst. Um, so I've really... I also used to have this sort of personal rule of don't block people, just argue with them. Like they'll block me eventually. And they usually do. There are now people who follow me just to argue with me and they'll go for months and months arguing everything I do. And I do try and argue with them all. Um, but for self-care, I've recently started trying muting and blocking people that are, that have given me more than enough, like evidence beyond reasonable doubt that they are here in bad faith. Because I don't, sometimes someone will say something and you'll be like, there's no way you can actually think this. You're saying this because it's bad faith, but sometimes it's a misinterpretation or you've misunderstood them or they're being cheeky or a, like, so I try and I, I end up giving people too much benefit of the doubt, but I've really tried to just getting rid of these people who are happy to contradict themselves or deny what they've just said, even when you're linking it back to them or, you know, that that kind of thing. And I just think I, I will argue with these people literally until I die if if I don't stop myself. So yeah. That's my new self-care. I that sounds very good. I actually uh, I've been working on um just this morning I was putting together kind of a compilation ebook of a bunch of articles that I've written. And I a uh, little bit earlier this year I wrote one something like uh quitting social media to improve your mental health. And like, I kind of did that very briefly. I think for like a couple of weeks, I really like really backed off and I felt a lot better. And um, everyone so I, says that. Yeah. And I, kinda, and yeah, I've, I've known people who've literally like, you know, quit temporarily and they'd be like, Oh my God, like just, the, I, I, I have like, you know, energy and, and happiness and stuff. Um, and like more recently I've, I'm in like a new relationship and that's actually taken a lot of my focus as well, which has meant that I've been paying a lot less attention to social media. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm feeling better as a result of that. Um, it's, it's unfortunate because like, I think what you do, like kind of fighting with trolls, like, cause it's like what Matt Dillahunty says on, on uh, the atheist experience. Like he's, he's not arguing with the callers to change their mind. He's arguing with the callers so that the listeners hear those arguments and change their minds. And so I think that's kind of what you're doing as well. You're not going to 
change the trolls' minds, but the people who are watching what you're saying, they're like, oh, you know, that's a, that's a good point or something. Um, so I do think that there's value in doing it. But like I said, it takes a special kind of person. And if you feel like it's kind of starting to become more of a negative than a positive, I think taking a break makes a lot of sense or just being more uh, liberal with the blocking. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that's why I've done blocking rather than break is because if this was just like something I did because I liked arguing, like if I was, for example, if I was just arguing about atheism, I could just stop and that would be fine. You know, I'm in a privileged position where me being an atheist doesn't affect my life at all. Whereas being trans, I do feel like if I stop, I mean, it's hard to say because I'm not trying to inflate my role in things, but I do feel like if I don't do something and then I lose some rights, I will feel I wish I had done something. And that just like fear just keeps me going. So sometimes I'm like, well, I need to stop for my mental health and I don't really know if I'm achieving anything and like, I, I just hate this. And then I'm like, but what if, what if? like some politician is just seeing this conversation and then some anti-trans person positions an argument and no one provides the counter information that could, this is like the butterfly's wings and I get all paranoid about it. And then I'm back on Twitter. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, so the, the next question here in the series, I think you've maybe kind of already answered this a little bit, but just maybe, I guess, like a quick refresher. Uh, I'd like to ask, what's the last new thing that you learned, whether it was a, a skill or like a fact? And what's the what's something else new that you would still like to learn, whether it's a skill or a fact? Um, so something I would like to learn still, which I'm kind of practicing on, is um, so in guitar... There's a, a guitar technique which is like particularly used in metal, <clears throat> though I mean I guess other things would use it too, but it's a it's quite advanced and it's called sweep picking, and it's where you play one note on the string and then you move down to the next string and you play another note on that string and you play another note on the next string. So you kind of do like five notes in a row on five different strings, and it means you can get these huge big arpeggios that's like woo, it's like blah, blah, blah. And if you do it really fast, it just sounds really cool. So I've been practicing them for years and I'm moderate at them. And it turns out that just because of the shapes of your fingers and stuff, the ones that are just three strings are really difficult. They're much more difficult than four or five or six. Um, so that is something I'm really focusing on the moment. Whenever I pick up my guitar, I just try and do these little three string. Um, so that's, yeah, that's something I'm focusing on. Um, something I've learned recently. I feel like I should crack out an insect fact here. I'm just trying to think about one of the most recent. Yeah. If, if you want to leave what you said earlier as the, the answer, that's totally fine. <laughs> um, well, I can tell you a recent um crustacean fact um, which is um so wood lice which you might not call wood lice uh they seem to have a different name everywhere in the world sometimes they're called pill bugs or they're the little gray sort of silver things that curl up into a ball and they're like the size of a pea and you find them in wood and rotten things and underneath leaves and stuff um so they're actually crustaceans and when they're born they have 12 legs and when they re reach adulthood, they grow two more and have 14, which is just, I just think it's brilliant. It's like, instead of like 
talking to like a kid and like, oh, have your adult teeth come through? It's like you're talking to someone like, oh, have you grown your adult legs yet? Like they'll come through soon. <laughs> so okay. yeah. you just reminded me, uh, I have a spider fact that I learned recently <gasps> and I'm curious if you'll already know this. So, Smash gonna... out. so do you know why uh, spiders curl up into a ball when they die? No. So I watched a YouTube video like maybe a few weeks ago and it was explaining that the way that spiders actually move their legs is by regulating their blood pressure. So I guess a higher blood pressure makes their legs extend and lower blood pressure makes them retract. So when they die, their blood pressure obviously goes down. So their legs that's just go. interesting. And that's why they crumple into a ball as opposed to just kind of going. Just kind of. <laughs> oh, I've yeah. got so many spider effects that I want to say now. <laughs> So this next question might be a little bit tricky uh, or it might get a really cool answer because it's been getting some pretty cool answers. Um, what would you say are your two most dissimilar hats and hats being like skills or interests? Right. Yeah. So I, I guess my whole life I've always felt like I have two like brains. I always, I always called it maths brain and English brain in my mind and what I, the reason I called them that is because of subjects at school and I felt like I struggled with like English the subject um and not with maths but then as I grew older I realized that actually English brain is where um like art and music and or parts of music come from and so I've and lots of my life I think kind of reflects the fact that I have both of these kind of in the same amount. So a bit like how um, I'm an engineer and then also very passionately into music and not just really technical, like mathsy music, but like really emotional um, music. And in one sense, metalheads who are engineers kind of goes together and it's quite a common combination. But in another sense, I do think they're kind of clashing, like engineering is so real world and so maths and technical and like music is just this art with no rules and they're they're very conflicted in that sense um but I do kind of feel like that sort of travels into everything in my life where most most things I can't just have one I always I always feel like anything that I like I have two versions of it um so for example my friends I always kind of think of my friends as like I have this kind of like chaotic, um, mad artistic friends who are usually my younger, crazier metalhead friends. And then I have my kind of like sensible, normal people friends who have everything sorted. And I love all of them and all of them are my best friends. But oh, Poppy's climbing up something. Sorry if you can hear a load of noise. Um, but all of um, you know, I, I need all of these friends because if I just spent time with just one of these two groups, then I wouldn't be balanced. So I think, yeah, I do like to balance the kind of hats. But yeah, I don't know if that quite answers your question. No, it, it does actually make sense. And and some of the other answers that I've gotten have been kind of a similar, it's, it's really fascinating to me. And so it's kind of the insight I was, or the sort of insight I was hoping to get from the kinds of questions on the show is that a lot of people, like if their job is much more kind of like mathy brain, then a lot of their hobbies tend to be more creative, or if their job is much more creative, then their, their hobbies tend to be a bit more like analytical. And like, I think everyone has that kind of need to kind of do both. And so... Mm. 
if their job is kind of primarily doing one, then their hobbies may be a little bit more focused than the others. And that's definitely kind of how I feel. Um, and so your answer kind of seems to, to follow mine with that, which is cool. I do um, think that, like, I do enjoy programming, particularly, and my job does involve programming. And I used to do programming after work. And I still feel like I could. I still have that kind of energy. But it does kind of get used up at work. Um, and so I do all of my music stuff afterwards and I'm very glad, like if, if you're a musician in the audience, do music, great idea. You should do it, whatever you want to do. However, I am personally very glad that engineering is my money earner and music is my hobby rather than the other way around, because if it's the other way around, I would hate music and I'd be poor. So <laughs> that is pretty much exactly why, like I said, I'm in like mm -hmm. an administrative job, but all my hobbies are creative and I'm still trying to find how to like make some kind of living off this stuff. And I feel like I'm getting closer, but <laughs> not quite there yet. Um, so you've, uh, I guess the audience will have a bit of a sense of this next uh, answer from you, but um, I'd like to ask the guests, what is their, like, what's your schedule like and do you have a peak time of day? Well, yeah, so we were briefly talking about this before the show started. Um, naturally, I think I'm a morning person or I enjoy, I don't like lions and I like like the second my brain is engaged, I'm ready to go. Um, I don't like caffeine, so I don't need any coffee or anything to get me up. And I'm ready for anything first thing in the morning. Like I'll eat a spicy curry and I'll listen to thrash metal and I'll be ready for a mosh pit in five minutes time. Like I'm ready to go first thing in the morning. And it's when I get tired in evenings, it gets to a point where I don't want to make any more decisions and I just want to go to bed. But um, in lockdown and with doing shows with like, um, you know, like YouTube shows and stuff with Canadians who have different time zones. Um, my sleeping pattern has slowly drifted. Uh, so now I'm staying up later and waking up later, which is hopefully as soon as lockdown and stuff is over, I'll switch back. Um, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, just a quick little side note on that. Um, most of the people I've been talking to are more like night owls, and I am a morning person myself. And I find it really fascinating how, like you, like when I first wake up, like the last two days, my brain is woken up at like four or five a.m. and I'm just like, mm -hmm. once I'm awake, I'm awake, and I just can't. Yeah. Oh yeah. Done. And I don't do caffeine most of the time. Uh, and just like I'm just I'm awake. And I'm like, okay, on go. And it's just fascinating to me how some people, because like the later it goes my energy level definitely starts to crater and it's like people, some people like their energy level goes up the later it gets. I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> um, so again, I am starting to notice that a lot of these kind of later in the, in the show questions kind of get answered a bit in, in earlier uh, in the show. But uh, I've been asking the guests about like silver linings from the pandemic. Like obviously the disruption has been unfortunate in a lot of ways. And but a lot of the people I've talked to, there have been positives to come out of it, whether it's like uh, starting a new project or trying a new thing for finally. Um, but is there anything that uh, sort of stands out to you as a specific, like, because specifically because of the disruption, uh, something that has been positive or a silver lining in your life? Probably YouTube has been. Um, I'm talking to some really amazing people on YouTube and, you know, having the opportunity to be invited to be on like 
um, host for The Line, which is a cool show that you should all subscribe to on YouTube, which is like a call-in show for atheist stuff. And I feel like because, like normally my social schedule is quite busy and I'm going to loads of gigs and festivals and stuff, and lots of this started over the summer and I would have, like usually my summer's just right off. It's like I'm at this festival, I'm seeing this band, I'm visiting my friends in this place, and this year I was doing nothing. So when someone's like, oh, do you want to come on my show? It starts at 1 a.m. on Sunday. Like, yeah, all right. (laughs) So in that sense, I've been lucky to have the time to take to say yes to like these opportunities yeah for sure and obviously this show has been made a lot more feasible for me and being able to facilitate guests in different time zones and things like that um yeah so the next question here um okay it gets a little bit heavier again but I, i do like mental health is a very important thing and i think it's very stigmatized and um i do want to kind of like I think talking about openly and honestly is important. So we do that on the show. Of course, you don't have to say anything you don't want to, but I like to ask the guests about uh, whether you have any uh, like mental health issues, disabilities, chronic illness, anything like that, if you've dealt with that in your life and how you've worked through it. So I am very fortunate that I don't have anything like major at the moment. Um, I have had a few periods of being depressed in my life. Um, I do think that some of it was transition related or being trans and not being able to transition related. Um, I think sometimes, often when I'm depressed, I I mean, my first symptoms are I stop eating and I stop sleeping um, and, and things get messy, really messy in my house really quickly. And, you know, sometimes that just happens when I'm stressed or sad or something, but when I've gone for a de- phase of depression it's not just been a few days it's lasted months or even you know into the years Uh, I think my longest one was like two years where I just everything's just rubbish and I just don't see the point and often I have no idea why that is um the probably the worst one I've ever had was when I was at university and I just it was just horrible and I hated life like constantly and I was just you know quite suicidal I was just constantly thinking about that and I went to therapy and I just I didn't know like they would say oh you know what are the things stressing you and stuff and I just didn't know um and I think in hindsight it's really obvious was I was in an abusive relationship I absolutely hated university and I was a trans person and but it's really hard to work that out um so I think how I've dealt with it, I mean, seeing, talking to anyone is the first step, I think, um, friends, family or anything, a, a qualified therapist, if you can afford it and you have access, but just anyone, even like randoms on Twitter really does make a difference. Um, and then I guess this isn't always an option, but I do feel that changing something in your life can make a big difference most of the depression I've had has been kind of focused around something in my life and it's not always been obvious and it's not always been something I've had the power to change, but changing something can make a big difference. You can kind of get stuck in a rut. Um, So certainly breaking up with my abusive partner and 
finishing university and moving city like that was a huge change in my life and it made such a big difference and then transitioning made such a big difference um so I do feel that's a good suggestion if possible you know changing something change a job get a new haircut I don't know just some something can just shake things up sometimes um yeah yeah I think that makes sense um yeah, it's like I've been getting kind of a range of responses on this question, which I think makes sense. And, and I, I like that because I everyone's experiences are different. And somebody listening or watching, they might relate to your experience. They might relate to one of the other guests' experience. But I hope yeah. that eventually somebody will say something that will click or resonate and help them. That's that's my hope. I mean, I've been very fortunate that I've gone to uh, see therapists uh, several times. And I've found that to be... And talk, talk therapy with friends is, is helpful, but they can't always help with everything so um yes. yeah but as you said if you can afford that not everybody can unfortunately so uh, a newer question on the show here that i've been asking and you can again you can kind of be as as short or as long with the answers you want to uh, or as as open or as private whatever but i've been asking about relationships because obviously relationships do matter in in what we're able to do and um like when like for my my example that i've said in the past is that my you know my dad wanted me to go and get into the trades and my mom was just like i just kind of want you to be happy and hopefully you know be able to afford to, <laughs> to pay your rent and um so and obviously having like supportive friends and i haven't really had partners in my life very much but uh, my, my new partner is very supportive um so i ask about uh, like the, the close relationships in your life and uh, if they've been generally kind of supportive in, in terms of like your goals or your path uh, and like kind of how's that been so i guess relationships on a broad in a broader sense um i am very lucky to have a brilliant family who supports me in pretty much everything i do um i've got two younger brothers and mum and a dad and they're all mega um and i've also got lots of very close friends i i think i mean if anything i have too many friends because i i don't get to see them all like because it's there's too many but you know my friends are very supportive people and that's why i have them around they they give me energy and um, support and confidence and things. Um, so I'm very, I feel very lucky. I think that's, it's something I've worked very hard on. I think that when I was younger, I, making friends wasn't a skill that I had. It wasn't something I was born with. And just some kids just seem to be gifted at it. And I just never was. Um, and so I just decided to get good at it, <laughs> like get good. Um, so I just watched what other people did and just like blindly copied them, like proper fake it till you make it. And it took me years to get good at it. I, did, I think I was about 21 when it kind of, I kind of clicked and I was working on it for like since I was 16. But so I feel like I'm very good at making friends um, and getting close friends as well, not just acquaintances, um, which I, for me is very important, I think. Like for when I was coming out, my biggest fear of everything, like I was worried about transition and sexism and surgery and all these other kinds of things. But for me, the biggest thing was I didn't want to lose all my friends and family because some people do. And um, I was very fortunate not to. And I think that's because I picked good friends and also because I worked very hard on it to make sure I talked through with everyone and everything. Um, in terms of, partners relationships 
uh, it's much more difficult and it's not a skill I have yet perfected. Um, I would definitely like a partner and I think I'm much better at the long-term part of things. I think that I'm I'm a good partner <laughs> selling myself here. Um, but the early stages are quite difficult because it's very chaotic and I'm just really cringe and it makes me cringe every time. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, I again, like I said, I, I've not had a lot of relationships in my life. And I just really quickly uh, talk about it from my side of things. Like, I think not until my kind of mid to late 20s that I really feel like I was starting to get good at talking to people and mm. like, kind of forming bonds. And um, but like the whole dating thing is just it was always a struggle. And I, I couldn't really like I knew it was awkward and like I'm autistic and, and I didn't know I was trans until much more recently. But um, I did struggle for a very long time. And so it's only been much more recently that things have finally been going a, a lot better in that regard, which is good. So <laughs> um, yeah, the next question here. Um, so this one I preface by saying like, obviously like there are things that we fail at in our lives and, and sometimes failure can actually be good because we learn a very important, valuable lesson from it. And so I asked the guest, it doesn't have to be like the biggest example, but what's something in your life that uh, you know didn't go the way that you would have hoped maybe, but like you did learn something really important from that. And, and if you're willing to share, what was it? Yeah. So I think maybe like quite a heavy answer, but probably one of my most valuable life lessons was being in an abusive relationship that went on for years. <clears throat> I had some of my own issues to deal with, which, you know, with my sexuality and my gender and stuff, um, which probably factored into it. But lots of it was just this idea that I just wanted to, like, be normal and um, have a family, and I just never thought that I could have that. And I was just kind of desperate to cling on to any chance I had for it. Um, and I am a rescuer. Like when there are problems, I go out of my way to fix them to my own detriment. And I just wasn't aware of any of this, of any of these drivers. So in an abusive relationship with someone, there's this like psychology thing, which you should probably look up because I have absolutely no idea what I'm talking to in psychology, but there's this like triangle, um, of, dependencies and one person's a rescuer and one person's a something else and something else I don't know but there's this one combination in particular where somebody's like someone who constantly needs attention and they keep taking it from you and if the uh, if you're a rescuer then you you're constantly trying to fix the problem and they all create problems on purpose like out of nowhere and you go out of your way to fix them and I just got caught in this cycle for years of always feeling like it was my job to fix everything and feeling guilty when they caused problems. And it was horrible, you know, it was, a, it was a very stressful, depressing many years of my life. And I do regret it in the sense that it just took so long and it's just kind of a dark spot in my life in a way. Um, and it held up other things like, you know, finding an actual partner and transition and all these other things. But I've learned a lot about myself from it and and a lot about 
other people. I know what to avoid in a relationship. I know what to avoid in friends and people as well. You know, when when people start creating problems for you to fix because they need the attention, I'm so aware of that now. Um, so I have benefited from it and I've learned a lot from it. So I would still wish that I hadn't done it, but I've made the best of the situation. So absolutely um and like that's not the first time that that sort of thing has come up on the show and and i I should say thank you very much for for sharing that uh because obviously that is as you said it's kind of heavy and it's very personal and Mm -hmm. kind of admitting that we make some of these kinds of mistakes but again hopefully the people listening will will kind of and i'm going to look that up because i haven't actually i'm not familiar with that kind of triangle thing i was like persecutor rescuer and because when you said it was a triangle my my first thought and and i'm thinking maybe you'll laugh at this there's another triangle but it's more from like i think like marketing or something where they say uh there's like there's like fast cheap and good quality but you can only have two you can't have all three yeah (laughs) yeah that's what i thought of um we're on our i guess technically or like second last question is you're going to get to ask me a question in a second but um before that i'd like to ask the guest um to kind of give advice um whatever you're kind of comfortable with and but you can either give the same advice to these three different groups or you can give them each individual advice but i say what advice would you give to a teenager what advice would you give to a 30 year old and what advice would you give to like an elder or grandparent i think it's it's interesting to think of them as different groups but I guess something that I can say that I do, I do still learn things from people who are younger than me. I have made an effort to always try and understand all of the words that people are saying online. Um, so when a new one comes out, then I know what it is. And, um, but yeah, so I think, I guess to older people, I think it is still important. It's probably important for your whole life to remember that you can learn things from people who are, who appear more experienced, inexperienced than you in general, because you might have loads of general life experience and loads of experience in certain areas, but then you meet someone who's like, you know, they're 22 and they're a deep sea fisherman and they might have learned a lesson on some horrible boat in the Arctic that you couldn't learn unless you did that. And they might know nothing about real life, but you can learn that one thing from them. To people younger than me, I guess, I think certainly when you're like 16, it can be, Puberty's horrible. That kind of age is horrible. Um, it's like an important time for so much stuff in your life, and it's just not when you're ready to deal with it, like career and relationships and dealing with, with all this kind of rubbish. And I think that it's important to remember that, well, it, it can get a lot better. Um, I wasn't comfortable in myself until long, long past then. And you can make huge changes. Like I was set to be a man and now I'm not and that was a big change and it was you know it's a change didn't make until I was 25 so if you feel like oh I'm 16 and I've already failed my grades or I've already messed up my relationship or I've already you know failed at this thing like there's probably things out there that you haven't even discovered which are going to be your main passion in 10 years time to people my age one of the things that I've learned the most in the last five years is how ignorant, not just of other people's problems that I am. I don't know the problems someone in you know, Cambodia faces 
in their everyday life because I just don't know. There's kind of like understandings of the feelings that people have. There are whole concepts that you you might not get. And I think perhaps a good example of this is someone who's gone from being in like the social role of, um, you know, a cis white man who like got a good job and all this kind of stuff. I could totally understand, oh, women have this, these harder problems. Oh, you know, black people have these harder problems. And, uh, you know, I was someone who did care about these things, but I didn't understand the emotional stress and constant pressure and like oppression and stuff that people faced until transitioning and now just feeling that all the time. Um, And sometimes when you hear of something like, oh, microaggressions, I think is a good example. When you first hear the concept of microaggressions, it does sound to a lot of people like, oh, it's just people getting wound up over nothing. I mean, I mean, that's that is pretty much literally what it is. But that's because the context, that's probably the word for it. The context you have is you're like, you're like, well, I'm imagining this thing. And if someone called me the wrong name every single day, then I'd just tell them to go away. Like problem solved. It's not stressful for me. Why is it stressful for you? But that's because your context is so different. People aren't going out of their way to hurt you by saying the wrong things to you every single day of your life. And importantly, those people also don't have the power to do anything in your life. Like, you know, if if some powerless idiot wants to call me the wrong name or something, like who cares? But often this is coming from people who are campaigning to take away the rights I need to live and the ones I have today. And that's so oppression is the right word. It is oppressive and you can feel oppression like constantly daily. And I'm very fortunate that I only really have, you know, I'm insulated from so much of it. And I, I now know the concept of people who are oppressed have a different context to me on understanding things. I think just being aware of that, I don't, as well as not understanding the issues, I don't understand their context. Um, Yeah. So that was a bit of a rant, but I think that people in my demographic could do a lot to understand that. Yeah. And I I have gotten um, similar answers to that before as well. Um, Basically, I think one person said like, treat black people better, treat trans people better and vote. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's Mm. a succinct way to put it. So like I said, uh, you're going to get to ask me a question now, but I want to preface this. And like, I hope this isn't what you were going to ask me, but if it is, I can, I can answer it for you like later. But I've had a lot of people ask me like, you know, why did I start the show or what do I hope that will kind of come out of it? And so I've answered that one a bunch of times. So I'm hoping you can ask me something else. Can I ask you possibly a completely (laughs) preference question? I guess what I was going to say is, you say you're a metalhead. Like, how did you get into that? And what's your favorite bands? <laughs> Is that okay question to ask? No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so uh, I guess I, I always have to try to think of like a kind of a short, shorter way to. Oh to- yeah, the, this is the worst question. When someone's like, "How did you get into metal? And what's your favorite band?" I'm like, oh, <laughs> "Do you have six hours? Because you're about to get a six-hour answer." <laughs> so I remember when I was uh, a teenager, because like my sister is four years older than me, and she got into music before I did, and yeah. so like she was into like Manson and like um, Alice in Chains and and like a lot of that kind of stuff, and. Um, I remember like I 
tried to listen to some of it and I, it didn't quite, but I, so I ended up getting into like Canadian alternative rock first. So like finger 11 and like our lady peace and I'm Mother earth and bands like that. And I still like those bands. Um, but I started with that and then like, I liked kind of the, the heavier edge of it. Like I like both soft and heavy, but I did like the heavier edge. And I remember when system of a down's album toxicity leaked and I heard it and I was just like, this is awful. Why is everyone like raving about this? Hold on, hold on. So, so about that to was... out the interview then. <laughs> so that was my first reaction because it was like I'd never heard anything like that before. And mm. um, so, like after I'd kind of been able to like process it, like I ended up really liking several songs on that album. And then eventually, I discovered Opeth, and that. <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, hi, Poppy. <laughs> this oh, is Poppy. Calico. I love Calicos. <laughs> She's lovely. She's a metalhead too. <laughs> so, yeah, I got into like uh, like System of a Down, Opeth, Nevermore. Um, who else was there? Like Lacuna Coil. They're Symphony not- X? Uh, no, I actually, <gasps> I'm not into power metal at all. <laughs> oh, no, I I'm love sorry. power metal. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but to kind of answer your other question, my favorite bands basically, uh, like I like post metal and Gent. Those are kind of my two main okay. ones. Um, so Gent is the more technical one, and post metal is mm. a bit more like stonery. Um, so there's like Isis and Cloud Kicker and Textures and The Ocean, and those are kind of four that usually come to mind pretty quickly. Um, but that's kind of uh, actually, I don't know. Do you know uh, Garrett Miller drums on YouTube? No. So he is a jazz drummer who reacts to metal drummer videos and it's really cool. So you should, I'm going to have him on the show in the new year. So yeah. Oh, amazing. Check it out. Um, Yeah. I actually designed, if it's still like, like I designed a, like a kind of like a, I guess a simple avatar that he used for his, his Twitter avatar. So um, yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so that's my kind of quick answer. We can talk more about that on the bonus. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll just say my, um, my current favorite band is a Canadian band, so I've got mm-hmm. to push them. Uh, Protest the Hero. I don't oh, know if you know. Okay. I, I don't so know them good. super well, but I do know of them, yeah. They're, they're at the edge of like the kind of tech metal genty scene. They're not genty at all, um, but they are definitely crazy technical. Like the constant shred, but they're also really hooky and they also have like punk rock vibes at times. So they're the best band ever and you should listen to them. Yeah, I, I will, I will second that. Um, yeah. So to kind of uh, round this out before we do our plugs, uh, or I guess kind of as part of the plugs, really, are there any specific charities or causes that you would like to raise awareness of? So I think that um, lots of cis people, uh, so a cis person is someone who isn't a trans person. Lots of cis people are aware of trans rights being a thing and they just, they want help and they don't really know how. So what, like, particularly in the UK, one of the first things that people say is, oh, mermaids. And mermaids are like a charity for trans children <clears throat> to help them and their families deal with all of the things that come around transition. And not just trans kids, they help any kids who's hurt or having gender issues or, you know, that kind of thing, that things in that direction. Um <laughs> But there are also, you know, that it can often end up being people say donate to mermaids and that's it. But there are so many, you know, important trans charities that people can donate to. Stonewall is um, like the biggest LGBT organization in the world. And 
they are, you know, they're they're big enough to be a lobbying force as well as just helping people, which I think is quite important because LGBT people historically haven't had any voice in politics at all. We still have no trans politicians in the UK and never have. So it's good to have some kind of representation. Um, and then there are other ones that just kind of help trans people like um, uh, gender intelligence or trans lifeline or someone. So I, if you would like a list of trans charities, I actually have um, an article. If you just Google my name and or perhaps you could put it in the description or something, um, just which is just a list of charities and you know it it does make a difference to because some people really have nothing like completely nothing so it's good to support that yeah I, I'm gonna get that link and I'm gonna put it on the official hat collecting website because I have a section at the very end of the page with all the charities that have come up oh, on the show wicked. yeah so yeah. I, I went through and I I can't remember how many there was probably like 15 or something researched enough that i recommend them basically and wrote a description of them so that's really awesome thanks for doing that um yeah so now we're going to do our plugs here and i i don't know how much stuff you have to plug but anything you want to plug you go right ahead and you uh, plug away <laughs> so i guess subscribe to my youtube if you like um i'm hope so I've, I've mainly done interviews recently um, I've interviewed some people who used to be like anti-trans people who are now trans allies, which I think is very interesting. Um, but I'm hoping to do some like pre-recorded videos, hopefully coming out soon, will be I'm a trans woman and I used to be transphobic or something like that. So that's going to be hopefully quite interesting. And I'm going to try and perhaps I shouldn't say this because I don't know how well I'm going to pull it off. I'm going to try and mix interesting feminism and LGBT content with more is more, too much of everything, uh, shred guitar, uh, move fast moving images, bright pictures, all this kind of nonsense. So it's going to, I want, basically what I want is like Wayne's World times 11 about trans people. So we'll see. So that, and then follow my Twitter if you want to argue. Like if, like if you disagree with anything I've ever said, come and argue with me. And if you want to come and go battling on the front lines against homophobes and transphobes and come join me <laughs> are, are you on any other platforms like instagram or anything like that or no i've got an instagram which i post some photos to which you can come um look at my photos if you want to which some people do um and that's pretty much it the other thing that i'm on at the moment is i'm a host on the line which i mentioned earlier which would be wicked if you could either or both subscribe or even um, call in if you want to have a discussion about theology or your religion or, you know, atheism or morality or that that kind of big question stuff. And, you know, if you're, I'm an atheist and if you want to convert me to your religion, then I'm ready. Bring your evidence. That's good. I'll call in and I will convert you to laceism. <laughs> do it i'm ready uh, right. <laughs> so with that said uh, now oh wait i gotta do my plugs i almost forgot <laughs> mm. 
Um, sometimes I get really wrapped up in the show and I forget things like I forget my own stuff. So I got a bunch of stuff. Like I said, I do like everything. So if you go to ArtemisCreates.com, that's my official website and like everything is there. There's a few things featured on the main page, but so I have merch. It's like original designs that I've made. Um, most of them are trans or LGBTQ um, centric. Um, and that's not really on purpose. It's just that's kind of where a lot of my inspiration has been more recently. Um, so those are on redbubble.com slash people slash Artemis creates, and you can check out there's like mugs and pillows and phone cases and all that fun stuff, shirts and everything. Um, uh, I also have a series of eBooks, educational eBooks called the curiosity guides series. Uh, I've been doing those for a few years and like I said, they're, they're all PDFs. They're on my website. You can just download any of them that you're curious about. There is actually one about heavy metal on there too. <laughs> Um, but it's it's more just like kind of my like view, looking at like the the nerdy world of metal through my eyes basically but yeah it was fun to write um and yeah as you kind of said like there's patreon uh, patreon.com slash artist creates you can find the show on itunes spotify other places i have music on uh, itunes spotify and Bandcamp. um i am a musician i don't know if you knew that um it's been a while since i've really done much with that but i do have a few i'll actually have most of my stuff is on Bandcamp. I only have a little bit on. Uh, yeah, I'll have to send you the link. <laughs> That's what reminded me. I should have plugged my band. <laughs> oh, you can. Go ahead. <laughs> my band is called Dehumanaut, and we are thrash, death, doom, swing metal. Um, and we have one album out, and we have a second album. Hopefully, it's going to come out probably early next year. I'm going to have to check that out. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, so the other thing that I am doing, oh yeah. So Artemis Creates is my, uh, oh God, Eric. <laughs> For the, li- for the listeners, uh, um, uh, Katie's cat, Poppy, is, is shedding all over the place. <laughs> they can't see it, but yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, my music is under Artists Creates. If you want to check it out, it, it's, it ranges from like heavy, thrashy metal to like really like ambient, chill, melodic stuff, because I like all of it. So, And then the other thing is I, am, I have a book. It's almost done. It's going to be published in December. It's going to be a digital publication. It's not going to be a paper back but if you go to my website it will be there <laughs> um yeah and it's uh, it's a, a short fiction novel about two transgender detectives i'll just say that much <laughs> um yeah so I'm, I'm hoping to finish that uh by the end of this week hopefully and then start figuring out the release date but uh yeah that's pretty much uh oh and i'm just going to give another quick shout out to uh, billy schultz uh, i don't know if you are familiar with her she's uh, big on instagram with queer and time kitchen and she has a podcast called nothing to fear and uh because we're we're good buds i like to to give her shout outs um and so with that said i'll run a little bit long on this episode but i think it's all been good so it's all right um we're gonna do the traditional hat sign off so we are both gonna put on a hat and uh wave goodbye <laughs> so this i'm gonna have to take my headphones off for a second so i won't be able to hear you And I gotta get this back on my head. Okay, connection. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of like a. So for the listeners who are not watching and can't see this, I am wearing like a, like if you know um, Sully from the Monsters Inc. movies, uh, it's kind of like got that like bluish fur on it, and it's got these two bright orange horns on the sides. So I've been wanting to use this one for a while, and I'm finally getting to. <laughs> And uh, Katie is wearing a uh, municipal waist, is it? Yep. Yeah. Municipal waist um, flat cap. 
uh, or well, I guess baseball cap with a flat brim. Step back, I think. Yeah. And you have to, <laughs> the, basically, there's this thing from like the 80s that all the crossover bands did um, where you, you have the flat peak cap and then you bend it like directly up and then you can write something on the underside. Right. And like the classical one is this band called Suicidal Tendencies and it says mm-hmm. suicidal on it. Mm-hmm. And Municipal Waste are like in the style of uh, Suicidal Tendencies and this is wasted. So perfect. <laughs> Yeah, I, I unfortunately don't have any like strictly metal related hats, but I feel like this is pretty close. Okay, Matt. Like hat was a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Viking metal. <laughs> so um thank you for indulging me on that. I, I always have fun with this part of the show. <laughs> uh and I think the uh I it's always because I always get surprised. I, I generally don't know what hat the guest is gonna have before we record. So I usually get surprised just like the uh, audience does. And uh, I like to try to, you know, sometimes make the guests laugh with mine. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for, for coming on. We're going to hop and do the uh, bonus episode now. But uh, this uh, this has been really fun. And I hope that uh, the audience that did get to watch this uh, on YouTube and, and listen on the podcast enjoyed it. And uh, head over to patreon.com slash Creates to listen to the bonus episode and we'll probably be geeking out more about bugs and metal <laughs> um and yeah check out katie's stuff on youtube and uh the line and her band um dehumanaut thank you i couldn't quite remember <laughs> and until next time this has been hat collecting stay curious and keep collecting those hats <laughs>